This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you're listening to the Sunday Afternoon Show with Maud. It is 5 p.m. on Sunday the 19th of June, and you can join me using the chat function. We can discuss today's topic, which is Josephine Baker, the first black African-American female international pop star. Welcome! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, fellow educators and dear listeners. This is my 11th radio show as a hostess, and I am delighted to share this experience, exciting experience, in your company. But first, I have to introduce myself to any new listeners. I am a French citizen of French and West African ancestry. I have lived in the UK since 2008, and I'm a professional educator. I work in a secondary state school in North London, where I teach languages, French and Spanish, case three and case four, as well as humanities, geography and history. I have also experience as a teacher in the charity sector. You can follow me on Twitter at ProfProfMFL. All views are my own. Today, I would like to focus on one topic that is relevant to me as an educator and personally in my daily working life. The podcast and discussion will both be on the topic of Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker was an African-American who uh, was born in 1906, in June 1906. So this month is her birthday. Uh, Josephine Baker was the first African-American black female international pop star of her times. And she's pretty dear to me because she was actually bilingual. She spoke, obviously, English, her mother tongue, but also French. And she spoke it very well. Why did I choose to talk about Josephine Baker? Because I think everybody deserves to know about Josephine Baker. And I'm sure most of my listeners have heard of her name. But there is so much to discover about Josephine. She's a true icon. Um, she is obviously controversial. She has done amazing things for other people. Um, and I think everybody deserves to know more about her. So today's topic is mostly relevant to teachers and educators, parents, people who are interested in history, music, World War II history, anti-racism, civil rights, a history in America, Black history in America, French culture, French colonialism, and also, finally, anyone who's curious, well-informed, and eager to know more. 
So if you are interested to talk about Josephine, if you want to share who she is, if you want to tell us what you know about her, please use the, my Twitter, at ProfProfMFL, if you want to talk with us. And you can also be live on the show if you join us. So, as I said, June was Josephine Baker's birthday month. She was born in 1906 in a very, very, I mean, a famous town, St. Louis, in the capital of Missouri. Uh, Josephine, Josephine is a very important French uh, historical popular figure. She was also a great singer and an actress, and she is still remembered fondly. Now, what happened last year is something special. An online petition was started in March 2021, and it was named Ose Josephine. Dare Josephine. Ose Josephine is a famous pop song from the late 80s, early 90s, written by Alain Bachung, who was a popular singer who passed sadly of cancer a few years back. Alain Bachung wrote a song that was not particularly about Josephine Baker, but it's a famous song that has the name Josephine in its title. Now, the petition was started for a particular reason. This petition gathered thousands of signatures. The aim of this petition was to honor the legacy of Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker was buried in Monaco, where she lived her last years. But however, someone thought it would be a great honor to arrange for her ashes to be transported from her cemetery in Monaco to Paris, capital of France, and to a particular place in Paris, which is the Panthéon. Pantheon. So the Panthéon is, um, used to be a church, and now it's mostly a symbol of our republic. It's a place of worship, but also a place where we bury very important people once they've passed. So it can be actors or political figures or people who have had a major influence on French culture. There isn't that many women, I think there might be less than um, six, but someone thought it would be a good idea to have our first non-white woman at the Pantheon and that it should be Josephine. So because the petition gathered so many signatures, it came to the attention of our current president, Emmanuel Macron. At the time, he was still doing his first uh, tour as a president. Um, and he accepted the proposal of that petition. So he decided to organize a ceremony, which took place on the 30th of November, 2021. Now, Josephine's descendants refused to have her ashes actually transported from Monaco to Paris because they thought she really enjoyed her stay in Monaco and that she, she should stay there. However, it was decided that there would be a plague in uh, the Pantheon commemorating the work, the good work she did for France. Because Josephine was not just a singer. Josephine was not just an actress. Josephine wasn't just a civil rights activist. Josephine was also a résistante. What is a résistante? Well, it's someone who decided to risk their lives 
to fight against the Nazi occupation of France from 1939 to 1945. So Josephine was an American citizen who chose to risk her life to support the movement that wanted to get rid of the Nazis in France. And because of that, Josephine became a political figure in France. And I think it's amazing to, to know that a little girl born in Missouri ended up being celebrated as one of the most important French women in history. So she's been honored on the 30th of November 2021, and she became a part of history. And I think because of that, we need to know more about her, we need to talk to our students about her, and we need to prepare lessons that contain amazing activities that are going to bring some enthusiasm and love of learning and more about this wonderful black African-American woman who was first and foremost an artist. So as I said in my introduction, Josephine Baker was the first African-American female international pop star. So just to summarize, I would say she would be the equivalent of Rosa Parks slash Beyonce. Rosa Parks, because Rosa Parks was um, a very active member of the civil rights movement, and Beyonce, because Josephine was first and foremost a dancer, a good one, and a singer. So, she was born Frida Josephine MacDonald on June, in June 1906 in St. Louis, Missouri. Little Freda Josephine had a difficult childhood and she was often hungry and she faced, as any African-American at the time, racial injustice. Because she didn't have enough money to attend school, she had to stop after a few years of schooling. She had to stop and start working. So in her early teens, Josephine became a maid. You need to imagine how difficult it must have been to live in the state of Missouri in the 1910s when racial segregation was completely accepted and the American civil rights movement hadn't even been thought about. So what were the ways to survive for such a young girl who didn't have access to financial support? Well, Josephine took one route to to save herself from hunger and poverty, and she decided to get married because there was not many other opportunities for a young teenage girl in the 1910s. So Josephine started by marrying a man age 13. It was a bit for her to improve her quality of life and maybe get gathered some security. We, it's hard to imagine nowadays that a young girl's only opportunity would be to get married, but this is what she had to do. And I guess what a lot of black women had to do in the 1910s in America. Sadly, the, divorce, um, the marriage didn't work so well, so she divorced age 14. And she started doing something that was a little bit more interesting than being a maid, and that fit her character, because she was an exuberant um, quite enthusiastic young lady. So she started street dancing when she was 14. And she was really good at it. However, 
I imagine that for her safety, either financial or physical, she decided that marriage would still be safer. So again, she got married at the very young age of 15. So she was a divorcee at 14 and remarried at 15. She didn't stay with her second husband either. I guess when you marry so young, it's bound to become very quickly a dysfunctional marriage. So Josephine decided to keep her husband's name and he was called Baker. So she became Josephine Baker, age 15. But she decided to just focus on what she was really interested in. So she loved dancing, whether in the street or in an establishment. So she decided to become a performer. And she was so clever, she, she also used humor and comedy elements to her dancing. It wasn't just dancing to look beautiful, it was also a way of expressing herself and she had a good sense of humor. To the point that her shows became quite popular and she quickly gained fame. Now, what would you do in St. Louis, Missouri if you started to garner attention from others because of your dancing? Well, I guess the first thing to do is always, when you're young, power-hungry woman who wants to make it in life is to travel to the most important city in your country. So Josephine moved to New York City. In New York City, she, be, she joined a troupe and she started to dance in cabarets. And I, I can imagine the life she must have led in early 1920s New York. She might have met Louis Armstrong. She might have met so many interesting people. So because she was hungry for adventure and because she had so much exuberance and talent and enthusiasm, she didn't get shy. And once she was offered to join a troupe to tour in Europe, she decided that was a good gig for her. So very soon, Josephine took a boat and crossed the Atlantic Ocean and she arrived in Europe where she started dancing at what was called La Revue Negre and she became a media darling. It was really hard to get respect and financial security in segregated America but in France there wasn't such a difficult judicial system. So she felt free. She could use the same toilets, the same bars, the same restaurants. She could use the same public transport as any other white citizen in France. So I can only imagine how free, how freeing, how liberated Josephine might have felt once she settled in France. She danced, she recorded songs, albums, and she started becoming an, an actress as well in the movies. She made her career. She toured in Germany, in France and other European countries. The media started talking about her. She became la chouchou parisienne. And in 1931, Josephine published her most famous song entitled J'ai deux amours, which translates as I have two loves. 
So this was how a little girl from Missouri, born in 1906, became a French pop star in just about 25 years. Isn't that wonderful? But it doesn't stop there. Once she came to Paris, Josephine also met very interesting people. You need to think of Paris in the 1920s as a place that was just vibrant and full of energy, creative energy. All the major artists of the times were living in Paris. Painters, writers, all of them. People were interested in politics. Everybody was in Paris and met each other. So, apparently she met Hemingway, the American writer. Picasso, the Spanish painter, painted her. And she also met, allegedly, Frida Kahlo, with whom some people say she had an affair. Frida Kahlo, the Mexican painter, obviously. So Josephine must have really delighted in meeting so many interesting artists. And I'm sure it provided her with such a great outlet to become a major international icon. Through her art, through her dancing and her singing, she chose to play and challenge white European audiences. And she is very, very famous now for having danced almost naked in cabarets. And some people are still a bit too mind in two minds about this type of dancing. She was considered naughty. Um, some people in America called her the devil because she she was dancing in a very outre outfit. And uh, some people described her as being uncivilized and savage, which is a very racist, biased way of seeing her. Now, Josephine was very much aware of racism. She had experienced it since her birth in Missouri. But she played with racist tropes because she came from Missouri. So I guess it was, you know, typical American culture, countryside culture. And yet her choice of costumes were playing on racist stereotypes. The most famous costume she wore was a little skirt made of just an elastic band around the waist to which was attached a row of fake yellow bananas. And she had two half halves of coconuts on her breast with a little bit of thread tying them up. And that was her outfit. Obviously, there was nothing related to bananas in Missouri, her childhood home. But Josephine chose this because she was super aware and conscious of all the stereotypes surrounding black people and the black female body. And she chose to play on these, maybe to mock them or to reappropriate these stereotypes to make a living out of it. And she was very successful. So this was tongue in cheek, but this led to the audiences really, I hope, questioning racial prejudices. But I think there's quite a sense of irony into thinking that some people might not have noticed it was full of racist undertones. But yet, they provided this young African-American from Missouri with the financial means to become independent. So in 1936, surfing on the wave of celebration and success, Josephine thought, 
I need to go back and visit my, my own country. So Josephine went back to the United States. I guess she, she hoped that she would be acclaimed and that her success in Europe would help her build a career back in the States. However, sadly, America was still too much influenced by the segregation and racism. She was mocked, reviews were really bad in the newspapers, and she faced so much racism that sometimes she couldn't get a hotel room booked because she was black. So heartbroken, Josephine, after a failed attempt to get her career going back home, she decided to go back to France and settle there for good. So, Josephine learned French, which is always a great example I, I mentioned to my students. You can be a little girl from Missouri, starting your life in poverty and become a fluent French speaker. Nothing can stop you. Learning language is accessible to anyone who is motivated enough. So this is what Josephine did. She became fluent in French. She also started becoming involved in French politics. And sadly, like many people, I would say the whole generation, born in the 20s or early 10s, Josephine had to face a major historical event. Because in 1939, we all know that Hitler invaded Belgium and Poland and the war started. Josephine was in Europe when the war started. So you could not live your life as if nothing had happened. Josephine Baker's life as an artist, musician, performer was undermined by the Second World War. But as we know, Josephine was brave and courageous. So she started using her status and money to support the efforts of the Allies. The Allies were European people and British people who wanted to fight against the Nazis. So Josephine kept doing what she did well. She kept touring, she kept performing, she kept singing. But she also tried to do her bit to fight the Nazis. She didn't take arms. She didn't take up arms and started fighting in the streets. No, that was not her style. What Josephine did is she started to become an international spy. And I'm sure I'm raising the interest of anyone who likes James Bond types of movies, spying and secret services, because this is what she did. Our little black African-American from Missouri, who had to drop school after primary school, became an international spy in Europe. So what Josephine could do was travel. Josephine was a performer. She was famous. So obviously that opened doors. She could take the train. She could just go and sing in different European cities. Because she was famous and glamorous, and a beautiful young woman, she had a lot of costumes for her scene work. So she decided to sew in the seams of some of her costumes information that the Allies would need. And sadly, another personal issue 
that impacted on Josephine's life was her health. She became sick when she toured a lot. She had a series of miscarriages. And once she almost died of sepsis and had to undergo a hysterectomy. A lot of people might have decided that after so much health troubles, they should stop touring and recover. But we know that Josephine Baker was not faint-hearted. So she kept on touring, she kept on traveling, and she kept on helping the Allies against then the Nazis. She used all her health troubles to that advantage. She just claimed she had to go and see many doctors for her health, which was indeed the truth, but it allowed her to travel even more. So she, through that personal and medical tragedy, she still carried precious information. As I said, sewn in little pieces of papers in, in her clothing. And because she had been sick, and because she was a pop star, she wasn't searched by the French police or the French authorities or the Nazi authorities in all the countries she visited under occupation. So her fame and her illnesses actually served the fight against the Nazis. So not, not only she was a performer, she was an actress, a singer, a pop star, a spy. She also became a political figure after the Second World War. Once France was liberated, the French government decided to recognize the efforts that people did during the war and the occupation. So the, the, the French president, who was called Charles de Gaulle, gave Josephine Baker the highest honors of the Republic. He gave her the Légion d'honneur, the Legion of Honor. And to my knowledge, Josephine Baker is the first and only female African-American who received the Légion d'honneur. There is another black African-American who received the Légion d'honneur, but it's a, it's a man and it's Jesse Jackson, the American pastor and civil rights activist. So Josephine and him are the only two African-American people with the Légion d'honneur. I'm hoping there'll be more soon. So Josephine received the Légion d'honneur. She became an important historical political figure in France. Now, what happens with her personal life? Well, again, Josephine is being very brave and she's someone who is a trailblazer because she always decides something and she goes 100% on it. When she decided to leave Missouri, to go to New York to become a performer, when she decided to leave New York to become an international star in Europe, she also decided that even though she couldn't have children, she was going to have a family. And how did she design her ideal family? Well, she couldn't, she couldn't have biological children. So Josephine decided to adopt not one, not two, not three, but 12 children from different continents, from different cultures, from different ethnicities and countries. And she called her family with her adopted brood, she called them the Rainbow Tribe. Isn't that wonderful? Now, you are going to ask me, 
how can you adopt 12 children? Where are you going to put them? Yes, as I said, Josephine Baker was an, a, an international pop star, so she had the means. She bought a castle, as you do when you live in France and you're successful. She bought a castle and she settled there with her 12 children. I guess she had staff to help. Uh, she also had her own personal zoo. When she started becoming an, a media darling in the 20s, she had a collection of exotic animals, including a cheetah, which she took with her on tour. And sometimes she let the cheetah roam um, around on stage and scare the musicians in the orchestra pit. Can you imagine that? Health and safety wouldn't let that happen nowadays. So... Obviously, she devoted more time to her 12 children than to touring, and she put the brakes on her musical career. I mean, she, she was in her late 40s. Nowadays, pop stars can go on forever. We all know the, the example of Madonna. But Josephine started to focus on her family. Sadly, and I think, I guess, there's only two character thoughts, I would say, about Josephine. But they are quite, um, they are character thoughts with consequences. She wasn't very good with money. She was successful at making money, but Josephine wasn't very good at having solid accountancy. And she was also, she might have been too generous or years of poverty might have encouraged her to be maybe not as frugal as necessary. So she underestimated the cost of keeping a castle with staff and a zoo and 12 children, and she spent too much money. So in the 60s, she was so much in debt that she was declared bankrupt. She lost her status. She was obviously out of fashion. You know, after a big wave, when you hit the top as a pop star, quite often you fall into you lose your stat status and you, you're not so fashionable anymore. So she was at that stage when she was not so glamorous anymore. She was matronly and she had lots of children and she lost her money. So it was a really, down, a really dark downward spiral. All her marriages broke down. She was single with responsibilities and she didn't have any more money. A lot of French stars tried to help her and Brigitte Bardot tried to raise money to help uh, Josephine, but I think her debts were too high. So in the end, it's Grace of Monaco, the princess, the American actress who had married the Prince of Monaco, who helped Josephine by gifting her a flat where she lived her last years. Now, this is quite um, an interesting biography. And you're going to tell me, why would I mention that to my students? What's the appeal? Um, you might think, well, I'm not a history teacher. I'm not a um, French teacher. So why would I mention Josephine Baker's in my lesson? Josephine Baker in my lessons. Well, we need to think about Black History Month that's coming in, in October. And the civil rights movement is always something we focus on. Every student I've met these last five years knows about Rosa Parks. So I think maybe we need to expand the um, knowledge towards Josephine and shine a light on this wonderful uh, Franco-American character. So Josephine was involved in the civil rights movement. 
in America, even though she lived in France after the Second World War. She visited the US and, um, as I said, she tried to book a hotel room with her then French husband and she got 38 rejections on account of her being black, black and being accompanied by a white husband. So Josephine, uh, she described herself as having a big mouth. I, I quote her, her own words. And she started to talk about racism and segregation because it came as a shock to her. She was saying, I am a famous international pop star and I can't even get a hotel room in New York. So how is it for um, any average black American? So she was asked to speak at the Civil Rights March in 1963. And we all know that um, Civil Rights March because it's the one that uh, Martin Luther King attended. So she made a speech about Negro women and civil rights. That was what it was called at the time. And she was wearing her French resistant army uniform. So she linked her fight against the Nazis to her fights for the civil rights movement. And I think that is a beautiful way of marrying that transatlantic relationship. Fighting the Nazis in France should be just as important and honored as fighting against racism in America. And remember, she was still a controversial figure, even amongst African-Americans. A lot of them didn't like her singing. A lot of them didn't like her dancing. They said she was half naked and that it was immoral. So she had a lot of enemies. And she also had a lot of enemies because she was a woman. And we know about misogynoir. When you're a woman and you happen to be black, you face different layers of discrimination. So she was much criticized and yet she did her speech and she spoke just before Martin Luther King in Washington, that very famous speech, I had a dream. Josephine Baker was just saying her speech before him. And she was such an important figure in the civil rights movement that sadly, after Martin Luther King was killed and shot in 1968, the widow of Martin Luther King phoned Josephine and asked her, asked her if she wanted to take the reins of the civil rights movement and replace Martin. Now that's quite uh, a job offer, isn't it? Uh, sadly, Josephine declined. And her reason why, the reason why she declined is because she said she had 12 adopted children and they needed her first. So she put motherhood before leading the civil rights movement in America. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think it's quite a decision to make in one's lifetime. So now I need to talk about the end of Josephine Baker's life. So as I said, she had lost all her money. She was bankrupt. She had lots of children to take care of. Um, some of them had already left home. They were adults. But in 1975, Josephine th thought, mm, I haven't been a pop star for decades now, but I'm sure there's some of my fans who would like to see me one more time. So she organized a farewell tour. And we know it's getting common nowadays. We have bands who've been touring for 50 years and they do farewell tours. Um, so she started her 50 years in show business tour. Sadly, 
as it happens, she was so tired and exhausted by re by the rehearsals that she did two gigs and then she had um, an aneurysm. She collapsed on stage and she she passed a few days later. I'm hoping she she enjoyed the last rehearsals of her life and that she felt like it was where she belonged on the stage and um, that it wasn't just because she had financial needs that she did that tour. I'm sure she wouldn't have said yes to it if she hadn't enjoyed it in somehow. So I gave you lots of reasons why we should talk about Josephine Baker in our lessons. As I said, she was the first African-American international pop star. She was a spy during the Second World War. She was fighting against the Nazis, fighting against racism in America. She broke down barriers, becoming a, a castle owner in France. I mean, this is quite an achievement. She also adopted children. I mean, she, she sounds like a wonderful person. She met and hang out with Frida Kahlo and Picasso and Hemingway. Now, I want to be honest with you. There's two sides of Josephine Baker that are not so palatable to our contemporary modern ears. First, well, she wasn't so good with money, was she? But that's a personal issue. Now, the only, the only bad thing I have to say about Josephine is um, her LGBTQ views. And I'm aware that I'm transposing our modern vision of it onto someone who was born in 1906. Because when one of her adopted son came out as gay, age 15, um, Josephine Baker wasn't so understanding and she basically kicked him out. So I really don't want to condone it. I think it was cruel and uh, it was unloving. So I just want to say that she wasn't perfect. And maybe because she wasn't perfect, she's good to talk about with our students. You might just praise her as a civil rights activist and as a um, allied resistante, but you can also say that all her personal choices were not always sound because she was human, after all, aren't we all? And uh, she's an icon, but she's far from perfect. Some feminists have also criticized the fact that she made a living out of selling a sexualized image of a black body you know, the banana skirt and the exotic dancing. She played on stereotypes about African ladies. And some American people really disliked it. And she said that she shouldn't have used um, such a sexualized way to make money. Now, I'm thinking it's difficult for a woman born in 1906 to make a living as a single woman. And although she got married many times, she was very often single. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't even make a judgment. I just want to say that some people take offense at the way she expressed her feminism. Now we're all the, we're all free to have an opinion. So now you're going to tell me what, what can I do with Josephine Baker's story in my classroom? If I'm a, English teacher or math teacher or DT teacher. I'm going to give you some pointers and some tips. But first, I think it's time for the news.
This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Stevewoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 £60 in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chigwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at withaslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. In an exclusive report in the Evening Standard, Joe Wicks reveals plans to help schools with children suffering from mental health issues. Wicks has said he wants to be a role model to children and young adults suffering with mental health issues. Joe Wicks discussed his mental health in a recent BBC documentary, Joe Wicks Facing My Childhood. He laid bare the reality of growing up in an unstable home with a mother suffering from severe OCD, eating disorders and anxiety, and a father with depression and a heroin addiction. The documentary won praise from viewers and began a conversation which Wicks says he is keen to continue, especially with young people. He said, 
I think young people are suffering a lot more than we probably know, and I want to do more documentaries around mental health. He also said he wants to go to schools more and uncover things around social media, phone addiction, body dysmorphia and anxiety. Wick said he enjoys doing school visits but wants to create a platform of resources that schools can tap into and so he can reach a wider audience. Schools in remote parts of Scotland could have school meals delivered by drone if a trial project is a success. The BBC reports on the trial in Argyll and Butte where the local council has partnered with drone specialist Skyport. The council hopes it could be a new way of giving children access to healthy school meals. The drones are currently only able to carry small loads, but they hope to expand if the trial is a success. Friday was reported as the hottest day of the year so far, and as usual, talk has turned to the impact of working in schools in hot temperatures. The Independent carries details of the advice from the Health and Safety Executive, which states that employers have a legal obligation to ensure that temperature is reasonable and that air is clean and fresh. These regulations also apply in schools. By law, there is no maximum temperature, but the decision to close schools can only be made by head teachers. The Oxford Human Rights Hub has said that the provision of stationery is a key component of the right to basic education in South Africa. In a legal case challenging education provision in the Eastern Cape, it found that the government's failure to provide textbooks and stationery constituted unfair discrimination because most of those affected were poor and black. This violated the rights of learners to dignity, equality and a basic education. The judgment was made in 2015, but the right to education has recently been reviewed to fully incorporate stationery as part of the basket of provisions. Schools in the Eastern Cape have suffered in 2022 because of a funding shortfall, but the High Court used the 2015 judgment to force the issue to be addressed. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week's Two Minute Tech is in response to a Twitter post from Tom HB asking what makes a good multiple choice question. I'm not here to discuss the research behind questioning, you can do that on his show, but I can give you some tech that makes a good multiple choice question. Here I celebrate the beauty of tech and all the positives that we can gain. Did you know a lot of multi choice question builders will give you data? It is down to you to decide if the data is useful, however, the data Data is automatically generated, so you don't have to do any marking. Data can be exported and added to a spreadsheet for quick comparison. Electronic multi-choice questions can be shared easily. They work across multiple devices and can be reused or tweaked in future activities. Individual question feedback is available on the individual or the cohort. Everyone has their favourites. Some allow live synchronous participation. Others are asynchronous and can be done at any time. Kahoot is an example of this. Well known by teachers and it gives both of these options and has a bank of pre-made questions from its large community. The quiz platform you choose will depend on the required outcome. Do you want a quick poll during a presentation? Then iSpring will embed into a PowerPoint or a link to Mentimeter will let you get live feedback. Do you want to ensure knowledge is remembered through repetition? Then create a Google or Microsoft form, call it a breakout room and set it to go back to the beginning every time a question is answered incorrectly. This will force the correct answers to be entered to complete the room. And you will be the cool teacher that's down with the kids knowing what a breakout room is. Put simply, Electronic quizzes can be great if you use one that suits your topic. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. 
Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So, dear listeners, thank you for joining us if you're joining us and thank you for having started with us if you were there from the beginning so we've been talking about an amazing icon josephine baker as i said earlier she was an african-american female pop star who became famous in europe and then went back to the states to take part in the civil rights movement at times before settling down back in monaco for her last years so why would we talk about Josephine Baker? I think I made my point earlier. And now, how do we talk about Josephine Baker, her work, her biography, and her legacy? How do we approach this icon? And how do we introduce her to our students in 2022? Well, it is rather easy to do when you are teaching languages. So any MFL teacher who has a few French classes is welcome to introduce Josephine Baker because she was bilingual. So it's an example that whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever financial circumstances you have, you can become fluent in another language. I hear very often that my students think French is too difficult. I would say if you can be um, very poor little girl born in 1906 in Missouri and uh, you stopped education at 12 or 13 because you couldn't afford you couldn't afford education and then you become fluent in French and able to write speeches in French it just shows that with determination and motivation you can succeed so she's a great example to show that motivation is what makes a difference in learning a language. Now I have been working on Josephine Baker with my students and I have devised a PowerPoint with different activities and I'm always happy to share it. So if you want to have access to this PowerPoint, just message me on Twitter at profprofmfl. If you're a history teacher, well, now this is a wonderful subject, isn't it? So you can talk about segregation, Missouri, Southern States in America. You can talk about the civil rights movement. You can talk about the uh, witch hunt with McCarthy against the communists, because one way of hurting Josephine Baker's reputation in America was to accuse her of being a communist. You can talk about World War II, and that's a vast subject, isn't it? You can talk about the resistance, spies, um, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful person if you want to raise all these subjects. I could even argue that if one school works with all departments on one concept per year, as I know some schools do, I think Josephine Baker would be wonderful because you can talk about Josephine Baker and cover so many different subjects that all departments could bring their little that something to add to to the subject so now i move on to history after making my point about mfl so for history this is a godsend josephine baker's life and biography provides so much work for students 
Now, if you do PSHCE, so personal uh, social health and citizenship education, she's also a great figure to use in your lessons because you can talk about racism, fighting racism, but you can also talk about LGBTQ. Remember the issue with her uh, kicking her son out of the house. You can talk about bias in the um, in the black community. It's it's even harder to come out as gay, uh, for instance, in some black communities. You can also talk about feminism and misogynoir and intersectionality when you talk about Josephine Baker. You can you can use her biography if you do de a debating club, an after school or lunch um, club uh, on debating, because there's a lot of thought provoking talk to make about feminism and Josephine Baker. Are you a real feminist if you use your body to make money? Are you a real feminist if you uh, monetize your your appearance and also are you fighting racism if you wear a banana skirt and a coconut bra? I mean, there's a lot of things that your students could debate with Josephine Baker's life. Now, if you're a music teacher, obviously there's her songs. And I would have loved to play them to you today, but they're still under copyright because the copyright law has changed recently. And you need to wait 70 years after the death of the songwriter to be able to use it without worrying about copyright. So no songs today. I might just sing it at the end. Um, so yeah, definitely a music teacher can talk about um, her songs and work on her songs. And they are bilingual songs. Some songs she recorded in English and some songs she recorded in French. So for art, oh well, there's so much posters that were made to advertise her shows. And they're wonderful, beautiful posters. There's posters with her in a peacock dress with feathers, her cheetah by her side, her pet cheetah by her side. There's posters of her in her banana skirt. There's posters of her with a pink fluffy outfit. I mean, there's beautiful posters of Josephine Baker and there's still artists who are inspired by her and produce new posters. So. One great task for students is choose your favorite poster of Josephine Baker and then make your own, for instance. Now, DT, and can I just be honest, this is not my area of expertise, but I thought you could ask the students if they do sewing or embroidery. You could ask them to, to, to recreate the banana skirt or the coconut bra. Or you could also ask your student, give them as a task. Here is a bodice or a simple kind of shirt layout. How would you hide your um, spying notes, the notes that you need to give to the resistance and the allies? How would you hide these notes in the seams of your garment? So you mix history, a little bit of secret, secret services topic and um, sewing. Now, I've been thinking about food tech as well. Um, we all know the dessert called Pavlova, which was in honor of uh, Anna Pavlova, who was an amazing ballerina. When she toured Australia, an Australian chef made this 
wonderful meringue-based dessert to celebrate the swan costume that Anna Pavlova was wearing when she was doing the swan song, the swan scene. So you could ask your students after they've learned about Josephine Baker to think about a dish that would be named after Josephine. So you could make a Josephine pudding. I don't know which ingredients it would have. Um, maybe it would be too cliche or stereotype to use the banana, but you could, you could ask them to use something that celebrates her Missouri roots with a kind of French angle to it. Or they could really try and make a new pudding named after her. Um, I think any lesson plan should involve a bit of cooking, but that's just my personal preference. Now I've been thinking about maths and science as well. What could a math teacher do if they want to mention Josephine Baker's life in their lesson, maybe for Black History Month, or just because they feel like it's an important person to talk about? So I was thinking, we could focus on numeracy because as we know, Josephine went bankrupt. Josephine had very, very poor financial control. So maybe a lesson to show the importance of knowing about expenditure and interest rates or a domestic accountancy. I think these are skills that are life skills that are super important and that are not part of the curriculum or very briefly, so it's always good to emphasize it. Now I'm thinking if you have a bit of spare time, you might want to do a cover lesson that you always have at hand if someone is ill and you need to give a cover lesson to the students. You could do one based on Josephine Baker's story, you can mention her bankruptcy, and then give your students some exercises so that they can understand what is financial stability and interest rates and how to calculate them, etc. And now for the English teachers. Well, that is, I would say, easy. You just need to look at the speech. As I said earlier, Josephine Baker was with Martin Luther King in Washington when Martin Luther King did his speech, I Have a Dream. Now, most students have read I Have a Dream or have studied it, but we could also give as a kind of feminist approach, we could show the students what Josephine Baker wrote and said that day. So I think I've covered pretty much everything. I apologize for PE teachers. Um, I'm not sure trying to dance the way Josephine would dance would be an easy activity to do with the students, but you might want to show it to them um, just as an inspiration idea. So as I said, she came from Missouri. Um, I think it's always a good idea. And uh, in the PowerPoint I made about Josephine Baker, I think it's always a good idea to add maps to lesson planning. And I noticed it's not systematic. So I would always encourage educators to use maps whenever they, mentioned, they mention a place because students find visualizing really easy and attractive. And also they need that knowledge because some of them don't ever go on holiday and don't ever travel. So I think it's important to give them access to geography visually with a map. So whenever I do a lesson about Josephine Baker in French, I show my students a map of the United States. And for those who don't really picture all the states, Missouri is 
just in the middle of the United States. So you have the Gulf of Mexico with Louisiana, Arkansas, and then just above you have Missouri. So it's a middle America kind of place um, with a lot of agriculture, and it's not a very wealthy state, even nowadays. Now, when I did my PowerPoints on Josephine Baker, I used her French ID because she did become French. So I made a modern French ID and asked my students to answer the question, quel est le nom, quel est le prénom, quel est l'âge? Uh, what's the name, the surname, the first name, the age? And I gave them the information in um, Jumble so that they had to find it. Another way of using uh, Josephine Baker as an inspiration for lesson planning is by giving a quick biography in French and asking the students to highlight all the cognates they recognize. You can do ping pong reading, which is always fab to work on syllable pronunciation. One um, color is read by one student. Let's say red is read by student A, Blue is read by student B and you color code every word or every syllable so that each student has to read a part of the word. And um, also in English, you can always use the many, many speeches that were recorded of her. I'm just going to quote um, what Josephine said about her homeland. I was born in America June the 3rd, 1906 and grew up in St. Louis. I was very young when I first went to Europe. I was 18 years old, but I had to go. I wanted to find freedom. Couldn't find it in St. Louis, of course. It was one of the worst cities in America for racial discrimination. I hear it has changed, but I have never been there since. I have very bad memories of that time. So here in the words of Josephine, we can see how hard her life had been as a child, if she never, ever went back. Um, let's remember that there were separated toilets for black and white people, separated schools, and even waiting rooms at the hospital and the doctors were segregated. You had ones for colored people and ones for white people. So this is the background she had. So I can imagine that for Josephine moving to France much have been liberation, although we know that France also has a lot of racist issues, but for, for Josephine, it was definitely the roaring 20s and an era of freedom. Um, now, if you do a, a very quick search on Josephine on Google, you're going to see that the, the amount of pictures of her show how famous she was. Because you can see pictures of Josephine Baker doing some gardening, Josephine Baker dancing, Josephine Baker singing, Josephine Baker with her pet cheetah. Um, you, you have so many documentaries on YouTube as well. You can easily give that as a homework for students. Watch the documentary and then jot down five sentences in French describing Josephine. Simple homework that provides facts and background knowledge. I talked about the posters earlier. There's some beautiful ones. Uh, when she was in the review at a cabaret and she was called Princesse Tam Tam. And the appeal of Josephine is felt because you might not know that, but Princesse Tam Tam is a lingerie brand in France and it's named after Josephine. So culturally, she has so much impact even now 
on brands and branding. She's a part of French culture, which I think is wonderful. Um, now, if you want to work with A-level students, if you want to dive deep into intersectionality and appropriation and colonialism, it's a great subject as well because you can mention L'Art Negre with Picasso. You know, in the 20s, Picasso lived in Paris and he was inspired by African statues and he represented them in, um, in his painting. So you could, you could ask the question for um, an essay, Picasso's painting of African masks, was it appropriation, was it promotion? You, could, you can talk about that with Josephine's dancing. Um, pretending to be African when she was, she had never set a foot in Africa, you know, wearing a banana skirt. Was it appropriation or promotion? Was, was she questioning racist tropes or was she just accepting them? These are very deep questions and I'm sure people have very biased or very clear views of right and wrong, but I think it's great to debate it with the students now. And it's also important to keep a clear mind and think that we can't judge Josephine's actions with our current modern perspective, because it was a different time. But it's still good to talk about it. Um, yeah, that's lots of posters about Josephine where she's represented with, you know, the, the stereotype of very red, big, thick lips and, and her skin much darker than her actual skin color because she was, she was, she had a very mixed skin, quite light skin. And on the posters, she's represented with a much darker skin tone. So you can always ask the students, is this respectful? Is it acceptable? Is it appropriate? What do you think? You know, get them to debate on that. Um, as I mentioned, when she was at the height of her success, Josephine managed to buy a castle. So she bought a castle that's uh, located near Bordeaux. So it's um, southwest France in the Aquitaine, uh, around the Aquitaine region. And um, the nearest town is Castelnau. So she bought that castle in the 1950s and uh, it's called the Le Château des Milandes. And I'm really glad to tell you that this ch chateau is open to visit for the public, which means that if you're lucky enough to have students and a school that encourages trips abroad, you could do your whole lesson planning, as I mentioned, including activities in DT, history, English, French, um, and even food tech. And then you can celebrate the whole work done over a year by a trip to France to maybe visit Josephine Baker's castle. We know she lost it when she became bankrupt, but the current owner wanted to celebrate Josephine Baker's life. So they reconstructed all the rooms the way they were when she lived there. There's a beautiful black marble bathroom in the kind of art deco style. 
with golden taps. And I mean, she wasn't very good at finance. Um, you can tell because she had golden taps. <laughs> but it's definitely something that I'm, I'm sure your students would love to discover. Um, so Les Milandes, M-I-L-A-N-D-E-S. And if you can't afford or if your students can't afford to go and visit the castle, because we know how expensive it is to travel nowadays, you can still go on the website and there's a virtual tour, which can be a great tool in your lesson planning. You can give tasks, a sort of treasure hunt for the students. For instance, find in which room um, the banana skirt is being exhibited or what color is the bathroom uh, is Josephine Baker's bathroom. So you could do that in English, you could do that in French. It's really easy to use virtual tours to make multiple questions. So I think there's a wealth of resources with Josephine that can benefit serious, solid, long-term lesson planning. Now, I did mention that the most famous song she wrote was J'ai deux amours. And it was a wonderful love song. And it's a good love song because it's not a love song about an individual. It's not a love song about a man or woman. It's about two cities, or I would say a country and a city. So in the lyrics, in the chorus, Josephine says, J'ai deux amours, mon pays est Paris, par eux toujours mon cœur est ravi. So she says, I have two loves, my country and Paris, and through them, always my heart is happy or fulfilled. Now, that's a beautiful love letter to Paris. I'm very fond of Paris, but I'm very biased because this is my birthplace. But I just, I just find it lovely that someone would come all the way from Missouri and write a love song about Paris. Now, this song was written by um, Géo Cogé and Henri Varna on a music by Vincent Scotto in the 1930s. So this was uh, men who wrote the song. And as I said, it's a great debating topic to talk about misogynoir when you talk about Josephine Baker, because intersectionality is a recent term. I would say it started with women's studies in the 70s in America. But it's, it's also important to show how um, women in the music industry sometimes can be manipulated or encouraged to say things that might not reflect their, their personal preferences or interests. For instance, if you look at the lyrics of J'ai deux amours, what they describe is Paris, which is fair enough because this is where um, she made her fortune and she became famous. But the country they're referring to is not America. It is not because they're describing the savannah. Now, I don't think there's a savannah type of landscape in Missouri. Might be wrong. I'm not a geography teacher. But I think there were, again, the lyricist. Geo Koji and Henri Varna, were trying to bring that stereotype of what French people might think Josephine was about, you know? So the word savannah is describing a landscape, a type of landscape in Africa. Because when people looked at Josephine, 
the first thought was, ah, oh, she's black, so she comes from, you know, Africa and West Africa and, and the savannah and the jungle and, and the bananas. Obviously, that was the biased view of the average French person, I guess, in the 30s when they saw that naked female body uh, with a darker skin than a French typical skin tone. And they played on this, the lyricist of Jet de Zamour. But we know that even though the, the, the boat trip that's mentioned in the song, Un paquebot qui s'en va, it's, it's not about Missouri, is it? They were using this image of Africa, even though Josephine has never lived in Africa, and I'm not even sure she ever visited Africa. So, and Africa is not a country anyway, it's a continent. So I think it's always something we have to bear in mind when we approach um, an, a very successful black African-American artist is that they, they are fighting racism and they are trying to, to really promote uh, human rights. And we know what she did by adopting 12 children from different continents. She showed that ethnicity doesn't matter. What matters is, is about love. But you can also see that sometimes we carry around um, racist tropes that we might not always be aware of or we might use them and monetize them as she did with the banana skirt, not really maybe realizing that they carry a weight that has nefarious consequences. I don't know, but that would be a great thing to talk about with A-level students or year 11s if they're really into nuances uh, concerning the issue of racism. So what you can also do in French or in English is running dictation activities. And then if you want to talk about history, French culture and um, citizenship, you might want to mention the Pantheon. If you're lucky enough to take your students to Paris, some schools are still able to do that. You might want to organize a visit of the Pantheon. And if you do, please show them the new plaque with Josephine Baker's name on it that has been uh, placed in the Pantheon on the 30th of November, 2021. Show them there's only six women in the Pantheon in Paris, in the fifth arrondissement. And one of them is a little girl from Missouri and the little girl was African-American. So please make a point of showing it to them because it's important. Um, now, where is the Pantheon? I said it, it's in the fifth arrondissement. It's near the Luxembourg garden and also near the university of the Sorbonne. So we're very far, far, far away from Missouri. Um, it's, you know, it's typical French architecture. There's lots of Greek columns and, and big monuments and white limestone facades and dark blue tiles on the roofs. I mean, it's beautiful architecture, but I just love the fact that little Josephine Baker's name is there. And again, you, do, you have a 3D guided tour of the Pantheon on the website. I sincerely advise anyone to use it in their lesson planning if they talk about Josephine Baker and if they want to talk about prom promoting civil the civil rights movement. I think it's great that we have activists 
who are recognized as having changed French history because we need to promote activism amongst our students. We need to tell them that it's, it's good to take a stance and it's good to voice your feelings. As I said, Josephine, in her speech in 1963 with Martin Luther King at, in Washington, she said, I have a big mouth. And I think we need to tell our female students, our female students of minority, ethnic minorities, and also our male students to voice their discontent when they have it. Now, it's about time for me to talk about resources. There's so many great books about Josephine because as I said, the visual side is, is really predominant. You know, she was, she was an artist. She was very aware of the power of posters and, and costumes. So she inspires illustrators. Um, just if you look at story albums for children, for primary school children, you're going to see lots of beautiful books. Um, Les Grandes Vies de Josephine, um, with beautiful illustrations. Very, very nice. I mentioned as an extension, organizing a school trip to the castle in Castelnau, Les Milandes, to visit the Pantheon. And um, there is a, a documentary on YouTube as well. If you type Josephine Baker, it's an hour long doc documentary in English that I used as homework for some of my students. So definitely, definitely a plethora of resources online that any teacher can tap into to build a beautiful, beautiful lesson plan. So I hope I inspired you, dear listeners. Um, I love Josephine Baker. I loved her song and I wish I could have played it for you. Um, it's it's um, a wonderful woman, a great icon, controversial, human. Um, she went through massive success to to conquer Europe as a as a performer in the 20s is such an amazing success i think she was the first international uh, female african american pop star and uh, as we all know beyonce i think we should all know josephine baker <laughs> i don't think there'd be a beyonce if there hadn't been josephine baker i might say she paved the way for female artists of you know so definitely she needs to be as famous, if not more. So I'm going to leave you, my dear listeners, on that note. And I hope you're going to have a look at Josephine Baker on the web search you currently use and that you might want to order one of her posters and grace your walls with it because it, it is delightful art. Um, I'm not available next Sunday and I apologize. I will be in Glastonbury listening to some music and I'll be back the Sunday after. But in the meantime, I'm going to play the news and I'm just going to wish you a wonderful Sunday evening and a beautiful week. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. 
They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Stevewoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1360 £60 in bursary. Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at stevewoods.co.uk. Here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chickwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at witherslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. In an exclusive report in the Evening Standard, Joe Wicks reveals plans to help schools with children suffering from mental health issues. Wicks has said he wants to be a role model to children and young adults suffering with mental health issues. Joe Wicks discussed his mental health in a recent BBC documentary, Joe Wicks Facing My Childhood. He laid bare the reality of growing up in an unstable home with a mother suffering from severe OCD, eating disorders and anxiety, and a father with depression and a heroin addiction. The documentary won praise from viewers and began a conversation which Wicks says he is keen to continue, especially with young people. He said, I think young people are suffering a lot more than we probably know, and I want to do more documentaries around mental health. 
He also said he wants to go to schools more and uncover things around social media, phone addiction, body dysmorphia and anxiety. Wick said he enjoys doing school visits but wants to create a platform of resources that schools can tap into and so he can reach a wider audience. Schools in remote parts of Scotland could have school meals delivered by drone if a trial project is a success. The BBC reports on the trial in Argyll and Butte where the local council has partnered with drone specialist Skyport. The council hopes it could be a new way of giving children access to healthy school meals. The drones are currently only able to carry small loads but they hope to expand if the trial is a success. Friday was reported as the hottest day of the year so far and, as usual, talk has turned to the impact of working in schools in hot temperatures. The Independent carries details of the advice from the Health and Safety Executive, which states that employers have a legal obligation to ensure that temperature is reasonable and that air is clean and fresh. These regulations also apply in schools. By law, there is no maximum temperature, but the decision to close schools can only be made by head teachers. The Oxford Human Rights Hub has said that the provision of stationery is a key component of the right to basic education in South Africa. In a legal case challenging education provision in the Eastern Cape, it found that the government's failure to provide textbooks and stationery constituted unfair discrimination, because most of those affected were poor and black. This violated the rights of learners to dignity, equality and a basic education. The judgment was made in 2015, but the right to education has recently been reviewed to fully incorporate stationery as part of the basket of provisions. Schools in the Eastern Cape have suffered in 2022 because of a funding shortfall, but the High Court used the 2015 judgment to force the issue to be addressed. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week's Two Minute Tech is in response to a Twitter post from Tom HB asking what makes a good multiple choice question. I'm not here to discuss the research behind questioning, you can do that on his show, but I can give you some tech that makes a good multiple choice question. Here I celebrate the beauty of tech and all the positives that we can gain. Did you know a lot of multi-choice question builders will give you data? It is down to you to decide if the data is useful, however, the data Data is automatically generated, so you don't have to do any marking. Data can be exported and added to a spreadsheet for quick comparison. Electronic multi-choice questions can be shared easily. They work across multiple devices and can be reused or tweaked in future activities. Individual question feedback is available on the individual or the cohort. Everyone has their favourites. Some allow live synchronous participation. Others are asynchronous and can be done at any time. Kahoot is an example of this. Well known by teachers and it gives both of these options and has a bank of pre-made questions from its large community. The quiz platform you choose will depend on the required outcome. Do you want a quick poll during a presentation? Then iSpring will embed into a PowerPoint or a link to Mentimeter will let you get live feedback. Do you want to ensure knowledge is remembered through repetition? Then create a Google or Microsoft form, call it a breakout room and set it to go back to the beginning every time a question is answered incorrectly. This will force the correct answers to be entered to complete the room. And you will be the cool teacher that's down with the kids knowing what a breakout room is. Put simply, Electronic quizzes can be great if you use one that suits your topic. Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022 and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.